0: Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So, in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. Welcome, everyone, to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm so excited today to uh, welcome Nicola Arnold onto the podcast to tell us a bit about her story and how she's turned her adversity into advantage. She's a business owner, a life coach. Uh, She runs a business called Enkindle, which I love because it means to illuminate. And her mission is to illuminate the path of possibilities for people who are ready to overcome self-doubt and connect with their real values. And I'm hugely interested in, in be, her role as a gratitude champion. She writes for the Huffington Post and Thrive Global on things like well-being, gratitude, positive mindsets, all the stuff that I love. Welcome, Nicola, to the podcast. Hi, thank you. No problem. Um, so did I get that right? Fill in some of the blanks for us. Tell us what you're, you're passionate about at the moment and a bit more about your business.
1: Absolutely yes. So um, my business will be three in September, which is very exciting. And my main focus at the moment, and something that I'm truly connected to, is to help people feel happy in their own skin. Um, You know, comparison is such a toxic strategy um, that we seem to use regularly, and with social media being such. a way that we connect all the time I really just want to encourage people to be themselves and to have their own journeys rather than feeling like they need to compare themselves to others all the time so it's a concept I'm really passionate about and um, it's really exciting to be able to share a little bit more about that today. sounds amazing
0: yeah no problem and and would you say um gratitude is one of the antidotes to that kind of comparing crisis that people go through
1: Um, absolutely I am I started a gratitude practice about two years ago and um, I can't believe how much it has changed me as a person and and changed the outlook that I have
0: love that what do you mean when when you talk about a gratitude practice for for listeners who might not be familiar with that
1: Yeah, so um, for me, a gratitude practice is being able to just appreciate the small things in life that make you smile. So it doesn't have to be anything epic as getting a new job or completing some massive project. For me, it's just about being able to come back to the present notice and just see what's around us. So even just being able to admire um, a beautiful flower or to appreciate hearing somebody laugh or engaging in a lovely conversation. Really helps lift our spirits, and it's interesting. Um,
0: So it's so simple sounding, but in in this sort of fast paced city life, and so much social, you know, media intake that we're constantly experiencing, it's it's really easier said than done.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And there's a tendency for us to go from one thing straight to the next, and to be considering what's next on the to do list and what else we haven't done. Absolutely, and. um, for me, if I can just encourage people to just take a moment and, and just notice what's around them, then um, it, it really just bring a different perspective to life, really. And for me, what I've learned through the research that I've read and looked at is that even if we just engage in a gratitude practice for one week, we are still likely to feel more positive six months later because we start to build that up as, as part of our habit. Love that. Um, and that's, um, quite, that's quite incredible, really.
0: It really is. When, on the days that I do something like that, I can certainly uh, tell the difference because I'm definitely one of those people guilty of, you know, constantly moving from one thing, achievement, tick, what's the next thing? Uh, that yeah. certain sort of pace, so just stopping to, to notice. So thanks for giving us uh, that little insight into to what you do. Let's, let's jump way back, Nicola. Give us a little bit of context on uh, growing up. What was that like? Siblings? Uh, do you feel like your your parents and um, your your childhood uh, prepared you for the for the real life?
1: Um, yes, I'm the eldest of three children. Um, all very driven that we are in our careers. And I, I had a a lovely childhood in the sense it was always very loving and very supportive of everything that we did. I um, certainly can't. Fault my parents or my siblings for that at all, but I think, I think as I started to grow older and and started to work, um, I became part of that society where we are always comparing ourselves to others. I mean, literally, for the minute we are born, we are compared to others in terms of our weight and you know the date we're born and then the first time we take a step and we and we say the first word, all the way up through to. The education we have, the university we choose, might choose to go to, the house we buy, the car we buy, the partner we have. And, and so I think I became quite vulnerable in the sense of that I felt the need to conform and do things because other people wanted me to do them or because that's what society wanted. Um, and, and I found myself feeling quite restricted and not able to express myself and do the things I really wanted to do.
0: And so where, where, um, when would you say this started for you? Was it, would, it, would, it, would you say right back in primary school? Was it just, you know, learnt behaviour through your environment, family?
1: Very, very much, definitely. I would say probably sort of senior school, so starting GCSEs, that sort of time when, you know, there's a lot of peer pressure at that age to like the same pop groups, to um, dress in a certain way. And I think I even then sort of struggled a bit in that I didn't necessarily like the same type of music as my friends and I wanted to be able to listen to the music I liked but didn't necessarily say I could share that with others for what they might say and how I might be judged
0: and that really is an age where we look for yeah. for belonging and fitting in as well isn't
1: it absolutely yeah so I think I felt a little bit out of the the mix there um, and I think that just continued really um so i've always always felt that little bit sometimes that i didn't necessarily fit into the norm of society in that sense um through some of the choices that i made
0: sure and so so what were your aspirations for life at that age
1: i i always knew i wanted to go out there and i wanted to be successful and i wanted to have a career and i knew from quite an early age sort of the initial career that i wanted to go into which was within the health service um and then in you know at that time it was, it was seen that you would go to university and that, that was sort of the academic path that you would take, and I chose not to do that and I chose to get my qualifications through working at the same time so sort of apprenticeship, um, and I guess that was the first time I sort of stepped outside of that the norm I guess
0: because that would be a big deal if your your culture and family and everything you know the understanding was that you would go to university
1: absolutely and and not necessarily for my parents my parents were very supportive of what I wanted to do and that was fantastic but my friends and I almost sort of lost that connection with a lot of my friends because obviously they all went off to university and led very different lifestyles and so it was really hard to connect with that Um, And so I guess I sort of became a bit removed from that circle of friends at that point.
0: And what was it that drew you to the kind of apprenticeship route? Because as we know, you know, university fees are just bringing us Mm -hmm. to the present. Fees are higher. A lot of young people are beginning to really weigh up that choice in a different way than maybe we used to.
1: Yeah, I think you hit on a good point there, that I guess without even realising it till today as we chat, that actually I was a choice then to make that decision not to go. Um, And that it it was an opportunity for me to actually really start the job I wanted to do and to be paid to do that job whilst learning at the same time. Um, And it was quite local to me as well. And, And it was been something I'd been looking at for a long time. And so that really connected with me. I really felt quite strongly that that's what I wanted to do. Who, who were um, your,
0: your role models? Who influenced you at that age? I, I say that in a positive way. Who, who did you look up to?
1: Um, certainly my grandparents. They were always so incredibly supportive of everything that myself and my brother and my sister did. Um, they championed us for all of our learning, everything that we did, and, and really supported us all the way through. And so I felt really proud that I was able to take that next step and and um, do what I wanted to do but still be able to continue on the journey that I wanted in terms of the career as well Um, and it felt really good that I had that support behind me to do that as well
0: absolutely so so where did that sort of journey take you next
1: so that journey took me into the start of my career with the NHS um, and um, it was fantastic and, and I absolutely loved it and I'm still in that career now I still work within the NHS as well as run my business um, and um, that's been fantastic and I'm at that stage in my career now where I'm able to give so much back to to the actual NHS and that obviously invested in me back in those days when I did the apprenticeship as well
0: I, I didn't even know the NHS did apprenticeships.
1: Yes, yeah. So, but I don't think it was called apprenticeships back then. It was a different
0: like a work name. placement or it was, something. But
1: apprenticeships have just come back in as a massive government drive this year. So apprenticeships are back in again, and it's a real opportunity for us to be able to support people to come in to do the careers they want to do, without having to go to university as well. So um, it's lovely. And I work within a training capacity within my role. So it's lovely to be able to now support what would have been me 20 years ago coming forward and doing that again. So that's, so that's what, what sort of training do you run? So I work within pharmacy. So I manage education within a pharmacy, within a hospital and manage the training programs. Um, so I get to have those you know, young things come in just like I was when they're starting out in their career and be able to support them. But the addition is that now I'm able to offer them a coaching program that supports their whole holistic wellbeing, um, something that I didn't have back then. So that sounds that's fulfilling really to me. Yeah. It's, it's fabulous. I really love it. So this, so passionate.
0: this concept of adversity. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that you faced adversity in your own life?
1: Absolutely. I think, like I said, even from being sort of age 13, 14, I didn't feel that I necessarily fitted in um, with everybody else. And I think perhaps I kept that quite hidden for a long time and probably didn't even realise it for myself because I kept that quite deep-rooted inside of me. Um, And it's only really where in the last four years um, where I've been on on a coaching course myself that I actually started to discover who I really was and, and be able to really speak the truth of what was going on for me um, and that's really been quite a, a turnaround in my life.
0: So is it fair to say that up until four years ago you've been I want to say plagued with this the, the kind of comparing um, mm. issue uh, in, in many aspects of your life?
1: absolutely yes and i don't think i'd even been able to name that's what was going on um it's only been in the last few years where i've really been able to sit and unpick who i am and i really sort of start to speak the truth that um that i recognize that now and um, and that's why i'm so passionate about being able to share what i do and to um to have the online community that i do to to really be able to support people to to not be with comparison but to be a choice
0: so so when you were in the thick of this kind of uh, comparison experience throughout your daily life I mean what was the impact on that would would you on you sorry would you say that you hit a rock bottom or it was just a kind of slow eroding of confidence what was the impact for you
1: Yeah I would definitely say there was a slow eroding of confidence and I think if I look back on it now I really notice how differently I was as a person and and how I interacted with others. Um, I was very much concerned with being judged by others. I could never um, meet a friend and walk into a bar or a restaurant by myself. I'd have to meet them outside and ask them to come and meet me and walk in together. There was that fear of going into a space and everybody looking at me and I used to dress in quite dark colors as well I didn't want to stand out I didn't want people to notice me so almost Um, invisible yes yes yeah and it's quite interesting because I went somewhere the other day where I had to meet someone that I'd never actually met face to face before only um, virtually and I was able to just walk straight into this place and wait for them and that it it was a real moment for me the other day thinking, man, there's no way I could have done that a few Mm. years back.
0: Did you still Uh, have the the little voice or the little feeling of
1: shit, people are going to judge me,
0: but did it uh, anyway? Or do you feel like that voice or whatever it was for you has faded?
1: Yeah, no, I feel like I'm completely in control now. And I, I can just remember getting out the car the other day thinking this is such a great place to be. How, how did I stay with that feeling for so long, but I guess I didn't know any different, I didn't recognize that's what was going on for me.
0: Yeah, you didn't know um, there, there was another way, so talk us through yeah. the, the, the journey, because I'm hearing really being stuck in this comparing thing, mm. and then I'm hearing this wonderful outcome of being able to go into a place and pretty much have a completely new perspective and experience even having a good time it's not I can just picture a big smile on your face you know yeah um so so but for our listeners we'd really want to kind of draw out well what was the journey because we we both know right it's never just a to b Mm. it's you know every letter of the alphabet in between and then you go to b get to b or z or whatever right yeah so so what was that journey for you of of noticing that you wanted to change or of uh learning that there could be a different way
1: absolutely I, I think um what was quite pivotal in in my change was vulnerability and recognizing that that's where I was and being very honest about it. And I can still remember, remember particularly, um, I was on a coaching course and I was, we were all called out and asked us to name the thing that we couldn't be with. And, um, I can still remember what my phrase was and, I was asked to wear that label for for, for, for three days. And that, that was crushing. And, you know, suddenly not what was only the, what had was the I, label, what was the label? So the label was I am beautiful.
0: Oh.
1: And mm-hmm. it was it was around being visible. It was about being seen and accepted for who I was. Not necessarily in the beautiful for my appearance, but just
0: well, my and, presence. Yeah, your your presence and then yeah. um, for those three days experiencing, you know, other people's interactions with you based mm. on that.
1: Yes. Which, which you,
0: I imagine, would never have had before.
1: Yes. And it, it was... I, I can still, as I sit here talking to you now, I, I can literally visualise that room and where I was sitting and how I felt.
0: How scary was um, it?
1: Oh, my, it was off <laughs> the scale. Was it? I can, um, There was about... 22 of us in the room or so and I was sat near the end and so as as um as they were going around the room asking all these people I could just it was just getting closer and closer Hmm. to when I needed to say it and I knew I couldn't I needed to be honest with it I couldn't not be honest about it because this was my one chance to really say do you know what this is me and I need to I need to be real um, but literally, I can feel most the heart going now, mm. as it's pounding, sure. as it comes closer and closer to when you have to say, "Do you know what this is me?" And I think what helped me through that was that everyone else in the room was being honest too. There was real emotion being evoked. There was a real nurturing vibe in the room of everybody supporting each other through this really vulnerable state.
0: So it was a safe. Uh, it was a safe place. It was. It was yeah, connected. it was a
1: really safe space, but a real scary space to be able to say that and then have to own it wait to see yeah to own it to see the reaction to feel the reaction and then to have to literally wear a label
0: and isn't it funny the fear factor right that um, is not based on reality but can just build up so much in our minds and in Mm. our bodies to prevent us from ever being vulnerable which is a really key word kind of showing up fully
1: yes absolutely and I can, you know, there literally was, it started to feel quite differently over that weekend in terms of how I felt. Um, and what I started to notice over a period of time was that I can remember for years, every night before work, I would spend a good hour trying to decide what I was going to wear the next day for fear of An hour. I'd be judged. Yeah, good hour. I'd be getting everything out the wardrobe. I'd have to have everything lined up the night before for what I was going to wear. Um, and that was a root- part of my routine for such a long time. And yet like today, I just go to my wardrobe, I pick something and I put it on. And there's lots of bright colors in there. Um, I've got like so much, so much of my life back in terms of being able to open a wardrobe door and just put something on.
0: Yeah, because I'm thinking, <clears throat> how much are you missing out on? of life yeah. when so much is focused on the, the routines yeah. around protecting yourself in that way.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I'm, you know, like many people, we all have particular colors or things that we like. And I seem to have developed quite an obsession with butterflies over the last 18 months. And I wonder if that's some sort of sign of the transformation I've been through, but um, I'm really into sort of brighter colors now. And and want to to want to wear that, want to be seen, not like standing out, but I'm happy to be in those brighter colours now and to exist. To exist, um, yeah. To That's exist. deep.
0: Yeah, to, yes. to exist, to show up, and of course the butterfly, the the transformation. I mean, that captures everything around the adversity to advantage theme, right? Um yes. That that middle bit of the the butterfly changing is is so hard, but has to be mm-hmm. done by that butterfly. No one can Mm. sort of help somebody get through that. You've got to follow your own journey and timing.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So so, it's not, mm, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just saying it's not been a bed of roses. Well, that's what I'm curious about, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I would say, so I think over the next few months, I learned that, I had a bit more control. I had choice over what I wanted to do and how I wanted to be. And and people did notice, and people started to say, "Oh, you're dressed in colour today. This is great." And um, noticed that I'd become a little bit more confident in my presence around other people. And even my family and friends started to mention, "You know, you seem a lot more confident and more outgoing." But I I hit a bit of a a downturn again about. 18 months ago um, sort of just a year just over a year into running my business and um, I'll be I think social media played a huge part in that but I felt that you know as someone who'd never really thought about going into business I I got through my first year and it had gone really well but then there was that sudden um, worry over where was I supposed to be going and what was it supposed to look like and rather than looking up to role models to be inspired, I suddenly felt the need to try and match what they were doing or following them because and trying to copy what they were doing, because that's what I thought you were supposed to do.
0: Interesting when the um, word supposed to kind of feature, yes, right? The, the impact yes. that that can have on us.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a whole party going on in my head full of gremlins, you know, these inner critics going, well, why haven't you done that yet? Right. You should be doing that now. Should, and,
0: should. And mm. Yeah,
1: but I didn't notice it for quite a while. I think I almost burnt myself out trying to do so much and put myself in so many different directions, also while still working um, in my other career. Um, and that became really quite tough. Yeah. Um, well,
0: because I know you're in the the training sort of department, but the the NHS yeah. that I'm familiar with is uh, is pretty stretched and uh, can be an intense uh, environment to work yeah.
1: in. It is. I mean, I, I thrive on uh, being busy. Sure. Um, I'm known for, I'm known for not sitting still for two minutes. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. But it, it was a case of I felt like I wasn't even enjoying what I was doing with the coaching. Um, it got it to the point where work. I felt it did yeah and the fun came out of it the drive came out of it and um really just sort of had to take myself back and 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 make a choice as to what I wanted to do and it was that sudden realization actually that this was my journey um
0: so so sudden realization but it sounds like uh, you know I heard some clue words there about being on a bit of a path to burnout uh losing the joy uh, I don't know yes. how that impacted uh, friendships, relationships. Uh, that's often, you know, where we see the signs, right, of burnout. Yes. And so I'm always curious at how bad does it need to get for us in order for us to wake up? Or yes. is it possible to wake up without it getting too bad? But I'm just curious about that element.
1: Yeah, I think I felt that I became quite disconnected to people. Mm. And pull back from from meeting up with people, and I think I also went through a phase when I thought, do you know what, I can't do this anymore in terms of the business. I just need to let it go. It's not serving me, um, and I, I don't think I help people anyway. Or you know, all those negative mm. beliefs start saying, Self-doubt. oh, you know, after, yeah, no one's going to want to work with me, and uh, I might as well just give it all up now. You know, and it, that was really real for me, and I was really like, do you know what, I think that I'm going to have to let this go. Um, and then as the universe normally does it sort of showed me that I I, you know this was not the case it woke you up Um, it really did yes
0: and so what had to shift in order for you to get set back on or you know start a new path to where you're at now
1: I think um, I discovered my love of writing actually Mm. Mm -hmm. and I started blogging um, almost as a I'm going to say the word therapy, although I don't know if therapy is perhaps the right way to describe it. Absolutely. I found that if I could write and articulate how I felt, um, that was really refreshing for me and really helped me to get down on paper what it was that I was thinking and feeling and then be able to see that. But reading it back and seeing it in black and white was almost like a realism of, oh, man, this is really what's going on for me.
0: And Um, it absolutely is therapeutic. And there's so many yes. people who've, who've hit, you know, massive crashes and through therapy or some form of expression, um, mm. uh, just allow that process to heal them in a way.
1: Mm. And I think what, what happened next was that I, I, I just, before, just before I decided that I wasn't sure I could carry on the business anymore, I'd had this idea that I wanted to write for Huffington post. And so I had sent, Ariana huffington an email personally and said you know I'd really like to write and here's a sample of my work of course and yeah, as you did <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> I just woke up four one weeks day later, <laughs> yeah 4 weeks later she emailed back and she's like I love what you've written I'd really love to publish this we'd like to have you on the, What uh, was your first article uh, uh, about do you remember um it was, to, I think it was to do around mindset. Sorry, I've written so many now, that sounds sure, awful, no, but I've written quite a lot. But um, it, it was around the, sort of the mindset and how I was feeling. And the fact that suddenly someone recognized that actually this was worthy of being shared with others. Wow. And then the, the response that I got from people for publishing that made me realize that I wasn't on my own. And I think that's what had happened. I'd become quite isolated and felt that I was the only one that was feeling the way I was.
0: Such a danger so, zone, that that kind of shame and isolation thing. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah. And so to recognize I wasn't on my own and there were other people feeling the same and that it was okay to feel like that, Um, that was huge. a big thing.
0: That's absolutely yeah. huge when you recognize that everyone has their struggle. Uh, mm. And that's part of the purpose of, of this podcast is to allow listeners to uh, recognize that especially the ones that are in it at the moment so mm-hmm. in their rock bottom or or struggling mm-hmm. in some way there's so there's so much here so okay so you begin writing for the Huffington Post you realize that mm-hmm. writing is is a great expression for you um yeah I imagine again that it wasn't a black and white shift to never comparing yourself to anyone ever again Oh no. right no, so talk true. us through some of the you know What are the rituals? What are the routines? I know you've spoken about gratitude. What are the things that allow Mm. you to keep yourself in check, knowing that we're all human, we all have our good days and our bad days, but, you know, on a good day, what are the things that you do? What do you advise Mm. other people to do to keep that sort of gremlin, as you said, in check?
1: Yeah, well, one of the first things that I did at the beginning of last year as I was just starting to come out of this was to discover gratitude. And, um... i i I also read that actually about gratitude to others was a great way of keeping it alive as well and some accountability and um and so i set up a free challenge on my facebook business page to my gratitude challenge for a week because i'd read the research that said you know if you do it for a week it can help okay and so i i set up this free challenge for people to come and share something that had made them smile each day for a week and to put it in a physical jar and um As a way for me for accountability as well, really to get to keep going with it, and it had such an incredible response that at the end of the week, so many people wanted to keep going that um, I started a closed Facebook group, and um, it's now got three hundred people in it, and it's still going now, and it's incredible. So it's it's a group that where we regularly come in and we share with each other what's made us smile, and we share on the days when we're not feeling so great, and we champion each other through that. And so having a a community that I could come in and be vulnerable and real with and share gratitude has been a real lifesaver. And even though I run the group, I'm still very much a participant in that group as well. I'm very honest. Um, I I love that that because you can see there's
0: there's so many, sorry, so many kind of challenges or, or elements that, you know, pop up on Facebook, but... Um, when you can really feel when somebody is doing it from a sense of purpose and a sense of, yeah. you know, receiving, having, needing it themselves, you know, and then just uh, focusing on that community. Mm. Love that.
1: Yeah. And the, I'm really proud of that community it's been incredible we've done some amazing things as a group and as I say I see myself as one of that community not running it and I've particularly I've particularly chosen to keep it quite small in the sense of you know lots of groups on Facebook have thousands and thousands of members but I want it to have that community feel I want people to feel like they can reach out and know other people a bit to be able to support them so that I would certainly encourage anyone that's listening to this that you know if if you are in a low ebb right now then then talk to someone else and have someone that you can work through this with, um, that you can share those times with, because it it really does help.
0: So expressing Um, it in some way, either on paper or specifically with a person, somebody that you trust, Mm. um, allows you to kind of share the burden in a way, or yes, even maybe open up your eyes to new perspectives on how to deal with it yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's about sometimes that when we actually vocalize what's going on for us that itself can be part of the process can really help us name what's going on absolutely
0: i'm curious about the um the social media element um in some Mm. of the the training i do around mental health and well-being i always discuss you know uh reducing toxic media intake yeah Um, and i love a bit of social media and i'm I'm, i'm quite attached to my phone and all the rest of it um, but I do make choices around not watching the news, um, and certainly not reading that free metro newspaper on this, on this on the underground. Mm. Um, you know, certain things because I need to consciously fill up on more uplifting or uh, information that teaches me something rather than mm. focusing on all the doom and gloom, right? So I'm curious about Absolutely. your perspective on, you know, the, the benefits, but uh, there's obviously a lot of setbacks. How do you balance out the, the social media element? What's your advice on that?
1: Well, something that I've learned quite recently is that there are over 1.4 billion people that log onto Facebook every day. Um, within 60 seconds, every day, within 60 seconds, over 500,000 people comment on a status and over 300,000 statuses are updated so we can be it's huge and if we you know I think there's like 400 million people on Instagram every day and nearly 500 on LinkedIn you know we're very much consumed and driven by social media and, and sort of material markers are very much part of our daily life and so for me it's about choice so I sit in a A couple of facebook groups online but i turn all the notifications off so that i choose when i want to go into them so i make a conscious choice rather than feel like i'm being prompted to go in and like you i try not to look at the news because i i don't want to get into that negative state Um, yeah certainly as soon as i wake up yeah absolutely so i am very much i choose what i want to see and i think what i've also learned is that i need to be aware of how i respond to things that I see. Um, so, you know, Facebook and other social media uh, platforms can be very one dimensional in terms of what people choose to share. And so I have learnt to alter my responses. So, as I said, a good year ago or so, I'd look at a post and um, compare myself to that individual in terms of what I was doing. Whereas now, I I look at it and think, well, that's fantastic that they're doing that. And, and to be able to respond and champion them for their achievements, but also not to take away the f- fact that what I've done is enough right at this very moment in time.
0: So it's not, and, and it's not a me or them, it's a me yeah. and, like, we're, yes. we're all doing wonderful things. And I, it sounds very much like the gratitude practice may have influenced uh, that, that perspective or ability to look at things in that way.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think that's one of the the biggest shifts for me is around not feeling envious of others. I hate the word jealous. I would rather say envious. (sighs) Isn't it crippling, though? It is. I I, I can't even be saying it. Just keep it (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. Um, But whereas I probably would have said it at the beginning of last year, whereas now I'm like, actually... That's fantastic that you are where you are, and you absolutely celebrate your moments. But right now, I'm really comfortable with where I am. Right now is exactly where I'm meant to be, and I'm going to celebrate that. And I think hand in hand with that, something else I've changed is that I don't have to do lists at the end of my day. I have to do lists. So when so I go to bed at night, that, yeah. Yeah. So when I go to bed at night, I think of three things that I've achieved that day rather than three things I haven't because if you think about it when we go to bed at night we can be very guilty of saying "Oh, I haven't done this and I haven't done that and then we go to bed in a negative state and then the first thing we do when we wake up is go, oh I didn't sleep very well and my alarm's late and and again put ourselves in a negative state. feel
0: overwhelmed immediately yeah
1: completely whereas a to list completely makes that shift it completely champions gratitude and gets you to really practice that gratitude list and think about what you have achieved or what you what has made you smile so that you can go to bed much more peacefully and calmly and um feeling accomplished Um, and it could even just be you know I've cooked a really nice meal I've had a lovely chat with a friend um so, know, so I mean in
0: our busy busy lives right I just want to get yes. this straight for myself right you might still have a to-do list because I always oh, have one. Yeah. however oh, yeah. what you're choosing to focus on is the yes. to-die element is that right
1: yes absolutely okay. so the, I'm always gonna you know I'm a busy person I'm going to have a to-do right. list but I'm not going to sit with it and be cross with myself every night that I've not achieved everything on it and compare I'm going imagine more that things. everyone else has yes yes and I think the other thing for me is I'm a very visual person so I do have a a visual a real gratitude glass jar with colored post-it notes that sit inside of it that I write in because then every time I walk past it and I'm looking at it as I speak to you now every time I look at it and I see all those colored notes in I can be reminded on those days when it is tougher that there are some great things in my life and where I'm I'm at at that moment is just a moment in time
0: and are you, um, if you don't mind me asking, are you in a relationship? Are you married, yes. or yeah?
1: I'm married. Yes.
0: So I'm. I'm, I'm cu- always curious about how a practice like this might impact a relationship, or if your mm. your your husband is partner is on the same page as you, or is it mm. just well, this has been an issue for you in your life, so this is your journey and what you do for you
1: yeah it's um it's interesting actually because i think as i have practiced gratitude for longer and longer i'm more vocal about it now and i i I say it a lot more in terms of what's going on
0: yeah so he'll know he'll notice
1: he noticed that and he now responds as well and he'll come up with something i'm like oh hello and Uh and he's practicing gratitude without even realizing it i guess because he's modeling what i'm doing um and i do that with children as well so i run a brownie pack and we we um last year we all made gratitude jars and and then they brought them back in with the things that they'd done. And I encourage that with my young nephews as well, my four-year-old nephews as well. And it's really lovely to be able to, you know, and I really wish well-being and gratitude could be instilled so much more in younger children because I think there is so much...
0: Oh, absolutely! I for, mean, that's that's my area. That's you know, I'm massively passionate about well-being, mm. starting as young as possible. I mean, imagine if we learned some of the tips around gratitude, meditation, oh, uh, you know, connecting with other people, those sorts of things, um, mm. right in primary school. It could have, it certainly could have saved me a lot of pain. I think.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I wish I I'd, I'd known about the gratitude practice earlier in my life. However, I'm very grateful that I have it now, and and if I can inspire others to do that as well, um, then that makes my heart sing. So, love that. So, Um,
0: any other uh, routines or practices that that you keep, even if they're not absolutely regular, but that you know kind of helps keep you topped up so that when a comparing kind of risk comes up, you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got the antidote in a way.
1: Yeah, the other thing I'm. I have been practicing is more mindfulness and very simple mindfulness So not feeling like I need to sit on a yoga mat in a certain position in a room with 100 candles around me but something that helps me bring myself back to the present moment I think um, knowing that I've spent a lot of time with those inner critics um, you know my favorite question to ask myself and others when I'm working with people is what's the truth in that when we have those moments when we think things aren't going well what is the truth in what's going on and really bring, bringing ourselves back to what's in the here and now and so one of my favorite techniques that I use is something called the rainbow walk um, or being able to do the rainbow practice in a room so if you're, I'm working with someone or if I'm in that, a state where um, I'm suddenly feeling a bit overwhelmed or tired or stressed I will take a moment to take a breath and just notice all the colors of the rainbow around me and what i find is that by doing that i'm able to bring myself back to the present state i'm able to take myself away from the emotional part of my brain and bring myself back to where i can regulate my thoughts
0: so you're connecting to your body and your awareness yeah completely Mm. and
1: you know how often do we have to ask someone to repeat what they've said or we find ourselves getting to a destination and not remembering how we got there Um, whereas this technique allows you to really come back so you know if you're taking the children to the park or taking the dog for a walk rather than think about that to-do list or what you've got to cook later think about actually how many red things could I spot on the way to the park and really start to notice the world around you.
0: It's so simple, isn't it? I'll certainly Mm. adapt that one. I know that I can be with my kids who who are very self-sufficient at 13 and 11 uh, and Mm -hmm. realize that two hours have gone by and I have not spoken a word to them or we haven't really interacted in any sort of way. You know, it just leaves my mind. Um, Mm. Just because there's constant busyness and constant sort of planning and all really exciting, good stuff. You know, um, it's not necessarily toxic stuff, but it's the pace and it's forgetting to notice the wonderful things around you. Because as you as we know, the present is all we have. Right.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's one of the other things I've noticed is I see so much more color in the world now.
0: Oh, I can wear so much more color.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's everywhere. Yes. Yeah. I I say I live my life in HD color now rather than black and white, which is what I was.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I say I'm fully awake, you know, no more yes. sleepwalking through anything, which, yes. is, which is outstanding. Yeah. Um, and so finally, and we're, we're coming to the end of our time, but um, if, if there's a, a young woman, for example, say, you know, 18, early 20s, who's in the, the grip of um, the comparing monster, whether that's in school, whether it's in university, whether it's trying to live up to the expectations of society and all of that. What's your mm-hmm. final bit of advice? Where, where can they start? And I know you've said to speak to somebody, and that sounds like a really sensible place to start. But mm-hmm. any final thoughts on, the, you know, really that person who's struggling right now? What, where should they go? What can they do?
1: I think um, there's several things, really. I think one of the first things that, um, that I did for me, which I would encourage others to do, is really just to take themselves to somewhere quiet and just to sit by themselves and have a few moments of quiet where they can be taken away from all the noise and the activities around them and really just notice what's going on for them. Um, Sometimes I even like to get people to draw an imaginary heart around themselves and to sit in it and to really become reconnected to their heart.
0: So almost to connect with what's underneath all the comparing noise.
1: Yes. Um, And to even notice what those phrases are and when they show up um you know having like a little gremlin diary for a week can be really insightful as to where you're letting your mind chatter manage you rather than the other way around Um, and that can be quite um a powerful way of starting to notice what's really going on for you
0: really powerful because i i I know it can often be those when we've been disconnected when we're tired Mm when we're overwhelmed yes. or stressed because of other yes. things and it's almost like our weak point right mm. and and the gremlins can get in through that gap
1: mm. absolutely yeah they're very sneaky aren't they oh my god yeah um, <laughs> and you know try the gratitude and although it might seem quite hard to start with try connecting it to something else that you do every day that you could connect that habit up with so you know could you think about something that's gone well whilst you're cleaning your teeth every day or if you know you have 5 minutes to wait by a bus stop every day could you do it then so that you you start connecting gratitude with something else so it's not just something additional you've got to remember but it's part of a task you're already doing because so you could so it do it sort part of, of your day.
0: yeah like on your your notes in your phone or i yes. i just chatted to somebody who's in the tech startup industry today and he said mm. uh, i put uh, the, the thing that I want to be, that I'm looking to embody, I make that my password on my laptop. Oh, so I, I now have that. to type it 50 times a day. He's in that industry, obviously. Um, yeah. and imagine the reinforcement, obviously it's one thing cause it's your password, yes. but you know, I am beautiful. Imagine.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And actually affirmations are a really great way. Again, I, I've actually created a calendar. So there's an affirmation for every day of the month. Um, and um so stocking that's a real up. opportunity again yeah absolutely and, I like... and and write it on a post-it note put it on a mirror in front of you so you'll see it every day and say it out loud saying it out loud is so much more powerful than just saying it in your head
0: absolutely and there's a preventative nature to stocking up during the good times so you're making creating the habits around affirmations and mm-hmm. gratitude so that when times you know adversity does hit um, you, you've now sort of built up that muscle a bit to be able to, to cope or react in maybe absolutely. different ways.
1: Absolutely. In terms of a neuroscience point of view, um, every time that we call upon gratitude, we actually strengthen the, the neuron pathways in our brain that actually focus on positivity. So it, like you said, it is literally something that you can strengthen and build up. I
0: love that. So that it, There's so yeah, much science backing the to these things Absolutely.
1: Now. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um, Thank you so much, Nicola. Please let us know where people can find you online, your sort of website or what what social media can they find you on?
1: Yeah, so I have a website, which is inkindlelifecoaching.com. And anyone that would like to come and check out the Happy To Be Me Hub, which is a closed Facebook group, which is where we share the gratitude and the positive mindset, would be most welcome to join in. um, Love that. So
0: find that one on Facebook, yeah? Yes. Nicola, thank you so much for sharing your story and all your wonderful tips. I know our listeners are going to get, I, I, got, I needed this today. I've had one of those days, so I'm sure yeah. our listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. It's, it's been really great to be able to share that and, and to notice things for myself as well. So um, thank you very much. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much
0: for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me, isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website, PetraBellsBoard.com for your free Kickstarter plan, which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time, goodbye.